0: We're back at the ranch. Okay, I'm starting. So I've already yawned like five times while I was setting this up. And I had to wake you up to get you to
1: So you mean nobody just scared the crap out of you?
0: <laughs> I went into shadows, laying down and with Rosie and it's 9:30. And we talked about doing the podcast tonight, and so I snuck in there and just stared at his face really hard. <laughs> he opened his eyes like I was going to murder him. And now here we are. <laughs> and
1: now I won't sleep till tomorrow.
0: <laughs> um, but it's a beautiful night tonight. There's a deer outside our window. Kittens are playing. We might get a storm, hopefully no hail, because my tomato crop is looking promising. And we ate... My jal- well, I didn't eat them, but you ate my jalapenos tonight. They're spicy. I
1: thought they were my jalapenos.
0: Well, I grew them for you. You put zero <laughs> effort into gr- the growing hey, of the jalapenos. I was there when we
1: got them. I also I told the garden.
0: Yeah, that's right. I got everything ready.
1: All you literally did was turn the sprinkler on.
0: I put them in the ground. I weeded them. I turned the sprinkler on. I picked them for you. I've taken. I took it from there. I took it from you digging in the dirt with a backhoe. Okay. You're welcome. So right. I have yours, the green, I have the green thumb in this family. We also have more lettuce than I, the grocery store right now. So we need to be eating a lot more salads.
1: So if you guys want to send tips on how to keep lettuce crispy instead of
0: floppy... yeah, I haven't figured that out. Go ahead and out.
1: send those in.
0: I haven't. Fi- I got a salad spinner off of Amazon. I was spinning some salad. Chad's checking the radar. What's it look like?
1: Yeah, they lied.
0: It's gonna skip us. hmm Well, we could use a little sprinkle. <laughs> it was close to 100 degrees today. I'll it was pick pickup said
1: 100 again.
0: It was 100.
1: So that's, that's what it said when I was up in the fields.
0: Uh, yeah, it was really. It's been really hot, really humid. We had a weekend of major festivities. Chad was an art teacher, <laughs> so hell froze over, <laughs> but it was hot here. <laughs> um, yeah, I hosted our, my Arts Foundation's Art in the Park event. It went really, really well, but we probably, we had free art projects for kids in the park all day, and I would think, how many kids do you think came through to do our art project? Hundreds, hundred, almost probably over three hundred kids.
1: Yeah, I think. Well, I think Jess said that she had somewhere in the neighborhood of five hundred tiles when it came, mm-hmm. and I bet there wasn't fifty left. Yeah, when she left. So. so,
0: our art teacher Jess had set up this really cool art project where you color subway tiles with Sharpie markers, all sorts of different colors. Then you put alcohol on them to kind of blend the colors together. Then
1: Rubbing alcohol, not the good stuff.
0: <laughs> not Why would not vodka? <laughs> um, then you light it on fire, you know, just because we have to be on the edge of danger all the time in front of the children. And it's really cool. It turns out really cool. And it was really a popular one. And just, you know. It
1: was neat. It turns the tiles into like tie dye. Yeah, it's neat. So it was, re- it was really pretty cool.
0: And the median age in our little town um, that used to be when we were growing up, pre-retirement age. Now it's 32. So there's kids that come out of the woodworks for these types of activities. And it was really fun, but it was also very, very hot. So we kind of wrapped that all up and just had a really busy week planning for that and home yeah. fest.
1: Our friend Erin had her baby pageant yes. and I think there was over 20 babies were in yeah.
0: It. it. Yeah. Was I think cool. there were more than like 25 babies, you know, between the ages of zero and or just born. <laughs> and Like one, maybe. One, that's the, Something a, yeah. like that, but they were all... So law. cute. That one's always, that's always like a, a tradition that people love to hit up. And then, yeah, it was our home fest, so that Art in the Park was part of it, of people coming home for reunions. Last year, we had our 20-year class reunion, which I can't even believe, and people come home and do their reunions and celebrations, but there was so much going on. Mud volleyball, cornhole tournament on Main Street, Art in the Park. We had theater week, so Edie was in her first little play. She was a raccoon. We did that all week. I think we talked about that a little bit last week, but she was stinking cute and loved every minute of it. I said... She's
1: already signed up for next year, she
0: she said. She said. And then we also had my cousin... It uh, works for Fargo Moorhead Community Theater, and they came and did Little Shop of Horrors, and had a full stage musical set, and worked with community members um, to put that show on, and that was incredible. So by the time the week was over, I was dead tired. But we woke up on Sunday, and it was hot, and we kind of hung out a little bit, and the girls got a new bouncy house slide thing that I ordered from Amazon with a salad spinner. <laughs> Oh, and I also ordered um, real s'mores sticks, so we don't have to use the, um, whatever, coat the coat hangers anymore. So I was really on a spree. Uh, so we were doing that, but it was just too hot. So we wound up going to the big lake in the evening and just like the surface temperature of that giant lake, which has more coastline than California, just a little tidbit, giant lake. In the Badlands, just so beautiful. It's about a half an hour to the bay that we go to. And we jumped in, the surface temperature was almost 80 degrees.
1: No, it was 87. It was
0: 87? I thought you said 77. Really?
1: 87 degrees. So
0: you're like jumping in thinking you're going to be really refreshed. And it's kind of like, oh, it feels like a big old bathtub on the top.
1: 87, and then maybe six inches down, it's probably.
0: You yeah know, 80 eight. and
1: then a foot down it's probably 75 yeah. and by the time you get to where your toes are it's probably 70 or whatever yeah. so it's like
0: one of those it
1: was really nice
0: these days well, are there's not much you can do but work inside go outside sweat 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 come inside yeah. take a breather it was too wet to bale hay
1: and the old guys were baling
0: they were baling well yeah, they did said-
1: for, they did for a couple hours they oh, were wow. done by the time we left
0: i don't know that they would appreciate you calling them the old guys <laughs> <laughs> as long the As older. they get,
1: long as they get to bail, I don't think they care <laughs> what you call them.
0: Yeah, so that's what's happening this week. So we
1: turned out bulls and chased cows on Sunday morning.
0: Oh, yeah, you had to get up early and do that. Yeah. And then it was just a scorcher. We did a lot yesterday. No wonder I'm so tired today trying to catch up. But it um, is this time of the summer where it is... It's gonna be a long stretch of hot weather. I don't know if this is technically mid July, what they call dog days of summer. Is that like, does that just mean when it's really, really hot? I
1: don't really know what
0: that means. (laughs) Like the lazy lazy dog days of summer? I just don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's what they mean, where it's kind of like you don't wanna do anything but lay around and. I really get into drinking red beer or what we like to call Arnie Gard martinis if you put an olive in them, which is like Bud Light or Coors Light or Bush Light with Clamato and an olive. (laughs) It's fancy. I only drink it in the summer and I like to drink it with sunflower seeds. And that's what I've
1: been doing. Dill pickle for Mm -hmm. all of you people out there. They're not sunflower seeds. They're dill pickle blech.
0: They're delicious. It's perfect. And I'm glad you don't like them because I have just more to me for myself and Alex likes them too.
1: <laughs> Eddie well, was eating them like crazy today too.
0: Well, they do the classic little kid thing of sucking off the salt and just spitting them out. And then they we have all these tiny little baby toads in our yard because we're kind of right by the this stock dam and sometimes we get frogs down here, but we have a big like toad population. So the girls collected toads today, baby teeny tiny ones and put them in a Tupperware and brought them inside. We had five pet toads today.
1: You can't call it a Tupperware. They made a habitat. Well,
0: it was a habitat (laughs) in a Tupperware. That's right.
1: They had a habitat
0: for them. Yeah. That's really cute. And then they kind of got in a fight about who got to have the habitat toads. And then I think they forgot about them. So I had to remind them they needed to release them. Um, but they're just kind of everywhere in the yard. So it feels, yeah, it's summer. And this week's column was kind of a throwback to a memory that I had when Chad and I first moved out here. We lived, of course, in my dad's, old the house where he grew up, my grandma Edie's house, a tiny house on the homestead place that I have a lot of memories attached to as a kid with my cousins and having family suppers there and Christmases and Easters. And you know, when you're a little kid, and I always say this in my shows, um, everything seems so much bigger in your memory. And I think it's because you're smaller, right? And then when we moved home and we're going to live there, I just have this distinct memory of walking in there as an adult person with all of our things, all of our hand-me-down furniture and our dogs and all of my boot and shoe collection and thinking like, oh my gosh, where did we do all of this? Where did we put everybody? This, is, this place shrunk on me. <laughs> what happened? You want
1: to know a fun fact? Mm. That house fits inside of your addition. Oh,
0: really? The How many square feet? addition is bigger
1: than that house was. Really? Yeah, it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 600 square
0: feet for that house. And then a basement that I think, and Dad told me, was a walkout basement, you know, and so it would walk right out to the barnyard. And they had a lot of vet supplies. My grandpa Pete had every feed store cap known to man hanging up on the rafters. And it was just, you know, concrete flooring. The laundry was down there and then two bedrooms and a, and a bathroom with kind of a shower put in at the last minute. Um... Red lava carpet, as every kid growing up in the 90s and 80s and 70s had some sort of weird carpet. My grandma had that in the bunk bedroom, and so my cousins and I would pretend, of course, the you know hot lava game and the jumping from bunk bed to cot and um, playing dress up in all of her old bridesmaids dresses, and just so many memories attached to even just the smell of the must in an old house, and that's some sometimes I dream about us living in that house. Still, it's just one of those core memories that you have of a place that just holds so much. Um, because so I think you, when do you start remembering things? You would know this. Chad's a psychology major, just a little tidbit. So he has, he will throw knowledge (laughs) like when you start remembering things and as long as as you don't
1: fact check me. Yeah. I don't know. We don't
0: fact check on this podcast. (laughs) We just talk. Um,
1: Somewhere three to five. Three to
0: five. And I think you really just do build those strong bonds and connections. And that's where I built, built those strong bonds and connections with my cousins over in that little brown house. Anyway, we had lived in it for maybe one whole year. And we were building this house over the hill at that time. And we, while we were in that little house, we had sold the house we renovated in Dickinson and put money down on a house that was being built Kind of the shell of it in Minnesota. And they had at the time, it was about around this time, 4th of July, um, had delivered it. And we were working on it while living in the old brown house. And we came home from the lake one evening, kind of on, we had been away for a weekend. Was it 4th of back July? From,
1: yeah, we came back from Minnesota.
0: From 4th of July? And turned the switch on. Or how did it happen? I can't remember. Exactly, what happened there
1: but the power the power was out okay because all the breakers were blown, okay when I flipped the breaker to turn it back on, then found out why the power was out, but uh, that's when the wire started on fire
0: so the wall of the little house was st- was burning from the inside
1: the wire yeah, the wire inside the wall started on fire mm-hmm. Um,
0: and this was a house that we were trying to decide what we were going to do with it. Um, we had looked at building in that space. We'd looked at like renovating and adding on to it, but it really was a house that needed probably to come down. Well,
1: it came down to the foundation was shot. So yeah. we would have had to lift the house and completely redo and it just the whole foundation. it wasn't a
0: fancy place, you know? It doesn't matter really, but it, it wasn't worth saving necessarily when it came down to the just the money of it and the nuts and bolts of it. But it wasn't a decision that either one of us wanted to make or, or help make, or, you know, you just, it's like a landmark. It's just the way that we're feeling a little bit about the barn there. Nothing. It's not fancy. It's a, just a landmark and of a childhood and memories. And it's not even working like we can't even use it, but it's a fixture. Right. And you don't want to be the one that makes a choice to
1: yeah, it's just been take there. it. It's been there forever. So it should be there forever, but It can't be there. Things don't last forever. Don't last forever.
0: And anyway, uh, we have, you know, we've had these moments in our lives as a couple and just as people individually where you stand watching something and you think, oh, now I know how that feels. And we had the moment standing on the lawn looking out at a house that was on fire. And we had thrown everything that we could. We, you know, we you knew you weren't supposed to, like, op- you know, we weren't opening up the wall. We had some time, but we called the fire department and...
1: Well, it was burning inside the wall, and I knew that it was.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But because it was an electric pro- electrical problem, that killed our pump. So we had no water. Oh, that's so right. So we had nothing to put it out with. There's nothing we could do. So I couldn't open up the wall and put the fire out because... That would have just let it breathe better, and had nothing to put on it.
0: We were so helpless. So like I knew
1: it was happening, but absolutely nothing I could do to stop it from happening.
0: And And that would have been ten years ago. We would have been. Yeah. So then I came upstairs and
1: called and told you. I said, "Call the fire department. The house is on fire." And you're like, "What?" I'm like, "Call them."
0: Yeah, that's not something you ever because it was it was weird because it wasn't like you walked into a situation where. The house was on fire. It was like wasn't so on fire. And it
1: was. It um you know, we're thirty minutes from the fire hall if people are in the fire hall. Like mm-hmm. that's the absolute fastest response time we could get. Just so happened that night they were the firemen were having some sort of an event, so they were all at the fire hall. So they got the page and everybody was mm-hmm. already there, so all they had to do was get in the trucks and still 30 minutes to get here well in our neighborhood, so they avoid- were able to save the structure like they yeah. kept it from burning completely to the yeah. ground but it was a pretty much total loss largely because of you would have had to completely gut everything just to fix the electrical that was
0: broken. right and that and it wasn't like it went up in flames and was engulfed it was a little bit in the entryway it got, you know, we were able to pull out, and this is what the column is about, sort of when you're faced with these things, you know, what do you pull out of a fire if you have time? We didn't have much, but I remember grabbing my computer and the guitars. You had some well, guns and... Yeah,
1: we had time. We, we didn't have much stuff. We, we had Luckily, it's a small house, so we didn't mm-hmm. have...
0: But you did go in the basement for, because we had in the basement, you know, that became places where some memories were stored, like... My Mom and dad don't have a basement or storage in their house, my childhood home, so some of those like the relics or, or whatever you would call it of your family are in this basement of this old house. So we had old pictures and there was old pictures and a box of memories of wedding notes and things that my parents didn't even know that were down there that were theirs. And I remember you going in the basement to start pulling some of that stuff out, and then it was kind of like, okay, we need to like not go back <sighs> in there. It was
1: kind of funny because it was first, it was all of those, you know, because a lot of people do that, play the game of like, okay, well, if it was, if you had to grab, you know, five minutes, you have yeah. to grab stuff. What do you grab? So we got everything we thought memorably important, like whatever pictures and photo albums and irreplaceable. Is that things. what we went
0: for first? Because I feel like yeah. I went for my computer and guitar were the first two things because I had like all the pictures in my work and you know that all my have, books stuff. that might have been Music. the first
1: thing that you did
0: and I then we kind of remembered the pictures and stuff
1: but so anyway. that was what I did was grab those kind of things first the irreplaceable stuff and then you know it was a slow burning fire like it was inside the wall we couldn't stop it but also you know it was gonna like, gonna take everything down so we had time. Like, it didn't actually get open flames until the fire department mm-hmm. got there by the time it burned its way out of the wall. And then I got everything out, and we're sitting there and still like, okay, well, we got stuff out. And then I was like, well, let's grab things that are what's worth money. Like, mm-hmm. now it's time to save monetary value. So then I grabbed, like, you know, a TV and stuff that really wasn't worth that much money, but it was more For expensive. Us, yeah. yeah, like, got... Got like guns and stuff, also not worth that much money, but things that I wanted.
0: Well, nothing that we had was worth anything. And then I kept, you know,
1: kept going outside and bringing stuff and just throwing it out in the lawn and just throwing it in the lawn. And then I was like, "Well, what else is worth money?" And then I was like, "Oh, I know what's worth money: Jesse's clothes." So then I just (laughs) ran into the closet and was just grabbing armfuls of clothes and clothes and clothes. That's funny that
0: you thought of my clothes before I thought of my clothes,
1: but you did. I just. I just thought of dollar amounts.
0: That's true. My, and then the, like the boots and the shoes and all of that. And, yeah.
1: And then also like if it's a total loss, then, you know, I'd be out 10 shirts and three <laughs> pairs of pants.
0: Yeah, I would have been One trip to home, my- home of
1: economy and I'd have been back to
2: flush.
0: <laughs> okay, man. That's kind of true, except for you have... Uh, I mean, they're not worth anything, but you've saved every T-shirt you've had since you were wrestling in high school. <laughs> that,
1: that's true. I mean, I do have a lot of...
0: And we saved those from the fire because I remember like... 30 years of like saving
1: stuff like that. A few
0: years later, I have made you sit down so I could take out every T-shirt in your closet and you needed to tell me yes or no because we needed to purge some of it.
1: Well, if it still fits and it's still oh, good, then.
0: Yeah, I know. we T-shirts all T-shirts don't go no. out of style. <laughs> that's right. But we wound up having to, I mean, that was quite a powerful time in our lives because we were so excited to be out here and really thinking, okay, we're going to live in this little house. We're going to build up the house over the hill. We're going to give ourselves time because we had just come from a big construction remodel of this very, and we've talked about it, very just intense remodel of this 1970s house that we bought basically was, should have been condemned and flipped it. So we were living in a remodel for a couple of years project. And then we thought, we'll just live in this little house and build our house over the hill and it'll be ready for us to move in. Well, that was dumb and naive of us because here we are still working on a house 10 years later, but we were at the ranch by ourselves that night. That's before Alex lived out here and mom and dad were still at in it Minnesota. Was, yeah,
1: still the lake, yeah.
0: So we were just, I remember being like standing on that. I mean, there's not really a lawn, but standing in front of that little house, the fire department in your rural community is every single person you know you've grown up with. At that time, there are all these guys out there. You know, they've not they do grass fires, and at that time, mostly that. And there's a structure fire, and it was really tr- like dramatic. And I was remember it was just a calm night in the stars. There was probably not even a moon. And I'm thinking like there is absolutely like nothing I can do to stop what is happening right now. I just have to stand here and look at it and accept it. And then, you know, that was over. They've put the fire out. They saved the structure. We had all this crap on on the driveway, um, and in the little grassy spot that's uh, in front of the house. And then it was like okay. And now I guess we go to mom and dad's, like, and we're sitting out on the, you know, the deck, thinking like, I don't know, it was just like surreal. And then we wound up living with my parents for about a month or two, just totally displaced. And I was working on my Nothing's for El Nothing's Forever album at the time. I had been writing music during the first year that we moved back to the ranch and was really working on that and excited about that and ready to release that. And then complete, like, kind of chaos came on us with this kind of, you know... It would be way different, looking back on it now. If If it were to happen to us now, it would be a different story than when it happened to us when we were 28 and just trying to, like get our life started here, it, the things and the things were just the memory that struck me was in the things that we decided to pull out on the lawn. And then there we were displaced from a house that we were built, you know, in a life we were building together. We'd been married how many years, like four or five years. Something somewhere And all of a sudden it was like everything we owned, all our earthly possessions were like something you just were forced to go through. Plus, because it was in an old house, some of the things that belonged to other people as well. And it was just all drug out in the summer, hot summer sun, like a day like today. And I remember going through it, trying to think like, what should I keep? What should I throw away? What are we doing here? And trying to, you know, I'm pretty, we're pretty resilient in terms of like, I can, you know, I can be like, this happened to us. I'm not going to sit here and and cry. We just move to the next thing. But then you wind up having your moment, you know, at a displaced time. That happens to me with grief all the time. In the moment of, you know, turmoil, of the drama, of the thing that's happening, the diagnosis or the the news of someone you love that you lost, like I can face it, and I'm fine. And then the like the trauma of it hits me a week later, a month later, in the most random times. And this happened to me. That happened to me when probably like a month into staying with our my parents and working on this house, and we had pulled everything from the boxes and put them out on the lawn, and it all smelled like smoke. It all smelled like that night. There's still some things in our house that still smell like fire. The photo albums, mostly when I pull them out Mm -hmm. and they're kind of stuck together and you're just kind of taken right back to that. And I remember just being like, I don't want any of this shit. I don't want any of it. I don't care about the things that we pulled out of this little house. I don't want it. I just wanted to like, when it wasn't because I didn't want to go through it, it was just because all of a sudden it felt like so insignificant to me. And even like the pictures, I guess maybe not, but I remember just looking at my clothes and my shoes and my papers and all the stuff that I brought from college that I thought was going to be so important to me or the things I kept from high school. There was maybe a handful of things that were so important to me and the rest of it I just like, didn't want to be attached to. And it reminded me of one that's what I wrote about. And I had written a little bit about it and kind of resurrected it for this week's column. That kind of feeling of not wanting to be attached to like the human part of your existence which is so much attached to stuff and and it can be so cumbersome and burden and full of burden and it just reminded me of a time in high school maybe it was a junior high, or the times in my life where we would dr- I would drive by a pasture of cows and be like, I just want to be a cow. <laughs> it would be so much easier. <laughs> or I used to, you know, in the complicated times in high school and adolescence where people are being awful and you're trying to navigate what, who you are and what it means to be a good person and be loyal and grow up and who are you. And just looking at the and having homework that you don't understand, probably algebra for me, looking at the house cat thinking like, could have I just been a house cat?
1: <laughs> I just wanted to be Jeremiah Johnson and live in the mountains. You did.
0: Yeah. I mean, can you relate to any of that? I know that I'm the one that kind of analyzes it all a little more deeply, but like just to be detached from some of the burdens of this and we do it to ourselves,
1: right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, i like everybody else I suffer from it, you know, like the stuff attachment thing. But I think there's a clear line in our lives of where like pre kids and post kids, now right. everything has a lot more sentimental value. It's not really worth anything more right. or whatever, but it's like, oh that's the Sure. That's the chair where we used to rock the kids or that's the mm-hmm. you know, what it stuff means it's not any better of a chair than it was when it was just a hand me down mm-hmm. college chair, but now it's a thing with more memories and more Significant, you know, we were twenty, whatever, twenty-eight or six, seven, no, eight, yeah. whatever it was. But we were kids, basically. That all of our stuff, all of it, was either hand-me-down yes. or rummage sale or. God, you know, if, you know like I like said, we had one even, or one trip the of things that <laughs> yeah. were stuff. They were like, oh, I really don't want to lose this one thing or mm-hmm. whatever, and there's like that would that would have been like one armful of stuff. That, right. I, that I still care about everything else
0: mm-hmm. you know yeah whatever but it really forces you to put that into perspective and you have to make that you know we you you just said that you have an and people will do that at dinner parties or talk for conversations what are the things you would pull out in a fire we had to assess that in 30 seconds and whether or not you should even go back in right and it was safe to go back in for for a while for m-
1: Some of the trips. Some of the
0: trips. But what are you... And then also just the absurdity that you would risk your life. I mean, this sounds dramatic because we weren't necessarily risking lives? to go in for something, right? A a, thing. For a thing. And then then so much so that you packed it all back into a couple cars, put it into boxes in someone else's house, packed it all back up, put it into this new house. What are you taking with you? Well, you
1: really kind of figured out because this was... Like, hit home for me, one of those hit home moments was we did all of that and you try so hard to save everything and whatever, you know, you're just kind of going through the motions. And then we packed, a lot of it got packed in totes and put in the Quonset because we were working on our house.
0: Yeah.
1: Then when we are ready with the house and we are ready to unpack. You know, some of that stuff sat, some of it might still Still be be in in there. I actually Mm -hmm. just threw a bunch of it away. I went through because I was cleaning out the shop and
0: threw a bunch of stuff away.
1: But... There's things like, well, why? I know. Why would you ever? But we never use it again. We are never going to go. And it's to use almost it like
0: out of sight, know. out of mind. And we, I know, we always tease about the things that you save, but you save mostly utilities. You know, things that you can fix things with for useful, your, yeah, useful things. It's not like you're so necessarily attached sentimentally to any, to many things, but it was like one of those life lessons that we learned or we're trying to process at a pretty young stage in our marriage to like who are we with these things and who are we without these things and what are you trying to build and what does it cost you and and mostly yeah I did have a line in there exactly what you said we had to pull some of this stuff out like my I remember investing in my big Mac computer so I could do photography work and design work and my creative you know world was kind of I was trying to navigate what I was going to be career-wise, creatively, and so I invested in this giant computer, and there was no way in hell I was leaving that, you know. And but that was probably the biggest thing I ever purchased in my business, and then the guitar I got for my dad, and then the books that I had written in since I was a kid, and then I had my. I still think about this. My girls are asking, our girls are asking about my childhood blankie. <laughs> I got lost in that fire, and then the one other thing that I mit, that I wish. I wouldn't have lost in that fire was the denim quilt that church ladies made before um, graduation. That big, heavy denim quilt. I think about that Oh, that thing, got lost in there? That thing, for whatever reason, that there thing was, there I was think was of. There was
1: stuff, um, just like your little kid Blinky,
2: because
1: mm-hmm. it didn't burn up. So no. we didn't lose there's a very very small amount of things that were in the basement that actually burned up or melted.
0: One of one of them was my vacuum and one was your like motorcycle or snowmobile snowmobile helmet or something. Yeah.
1: Then so there was not much stuff actually burned. A lot of stuff was really smoke damaged and a lot of stuff was
0: R- or water, water, damage. water
1: damaged yeah. but not blankets but somehow through that with just throwing that, it on the lawn, putting it in yeah. storage, getting it out of storage like there's
0: Things get misplaced. Kind of several
1: things that just disappeared, and I don't know.
0: Or we what, just where, said how, at or... the time, you know, okay, this can go because it's we're not going to be able to, or it's not fixable or cleanable. But I lost that quilt, and that's a, that literally is the only thing I think about in that fire that I wish I still had. Really? Because you don't. I don't know. It's sentimental. I remember. And it's a, it was a nice heavy denim quilt that you would have like your whole life.
1: <laughs> we have like the kitchen cabinets that were in there are all oh, of course they're all in the shop the in the garage cabinets. now they're my garage cabinets. <laughs> we have like the leather couches that we had that we bought hand-me-down leather couches from. Oh yeah, like a family those are friend. In a basement. And you're like, well, we're never going to get those clean. We're going to throw those away. Oh and yeah, you like, well, put your foot down on like, that. Like let's try right. and figure this out. And I don't know, heard got some advice from a couple different people of how to do what and.
0: Yeah, those don't smell.
1: We cleaned them up and now they're still in our basement Yeah. and still one of the best sleeping couches.
0: Well, if you get I've in that couch, on. it's real hard to get yeah, out Yeah, you of don't sit couch.
1: down on that couch unless you plan on taking a nap.
0: Your feet don't touch the ground. <laughs> it's a deep one. Um but then I have this so I had this memory of me as a, a kid probably like really it's 12 13 years old when you start getting like you're not a kid anymore. You start growing up and there's that kind of like...
1: At 13? (laughs) No.
0: 13, 14. I'm not ready for this. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, you know, where you don't even really know what's happening, but I would get, you get moody and start whatever. But I remember going out into, as I would always walk in the trees and that was a thing that I would do no matter how old I was. And just to like kind of center or to think or to write music or whatever, get away. And I remember feeling like particularly whatever the word is or whatever you are as a teenager, brooding or uh, whatever. I don't know. I can't think of can't, a term. Can't you there. <laughs> you know, you're not really. I
1: <laughs> no, didn't do I'm a lot of thinking when in, I was 13. Well,
0: I know. This is where maybe you can't really. It was more
1: like impulse. <laughs> uh,
0: there's a difference majorly between you and me, but... You know, a teenage girl trying to figure out what's happening to her, basically. And I walked out into the trees, kind of in the pasture behind the mailbox, and it was raining, and I was like, you know, so dramatic. But I was just having those, like, I wish I was a bird, or I wish I was a flower. I wish it was something less complicated than, like, what's going on with me. And I just started taking, like, all my clothes off. I took all my clothes off. You are just... so
1: weird. <laughs> I did not ever do that. Well
0: of course you didn't do that. You were all doing I mean I
1: took my clothes off then I jumped in the creek.
0: Well right. <laughs> but... Well yeah, you're processing your adolescence in a different way. And this was very like like I'm telling you, dramatic, but I have a memory of it. And <laughs> that's
1: what I've never heard yeah.
0: that's funny. so I just started like taking off pieces like I've never been yeah, I've never been had had you ever been naked outside before? I don't think I had. Not as a, maybe as a kid, a baby. Anyway, then I just like wanted to see how that felt, I guess. And so I just stood naked in the trees and it was raining and it was quiet and no one was around.
1: And then putt-putt comes Jimmy over the hill.
0: <laughs> well, like you didn't, I found a spot where I felt like the most alone I could possibly feel. You
1: can get pretty alone yeah. out here.
0: Yeah. And so I obviously wasn't trying to be an exhibitionist. There was something I needed to do why I needed to do it. The memory of why it escapes me, except the memory of that. I did just stood there completely naked in the rain, in the middle of the farm, (laughs) in the trees. And then all of a sudden, get that? yeah, like like, if I was an animal, if I wasn't all of these things that are like attached to me that make me human, like, what would this be like? And then it was like, maybe not even, it couldn't have been three or five minutes. And then I just became so like glaringly aware of like, no, no, I'm a human <laughs> and I'm naked and I'm flawed and I don't like this. And I just put all my clothes
1: back on. About the time <laughs> the first mosquito bites your bum cheek. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of that.
0: Well, right. But that are just like, could you be just totally vulnerable and totally exposed and not like remem- remind yourself that, oh, it's really messy to be a human being in this world and like try to figure it out could I just like strip it all off and just be like what am I without all of that and then it wasn't very long before I remembered
1: (laughs) no I've never done that particularly but I I've done a couple times like when I was a teenager I would just go out into like the badlands or the wild or Mm -hmm. whatever and just kind of do a mock scenario of like okay this is the stuff I have if I had to live could Mm -hmm. I live Mm -hmm. And it would take me an hour sometimes, sometimes a half a day before I realized, like, no, right. I wouldn't make it a week.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, you think that there's so much that's, like, deer and there's animals and yeah. you could build a shelter and eat and do whatever. And like, I don't know how those people did it. I mean, I've read books and I've seen movies and I, I well,
0: we're just theoretically not know how
1: they did it. But, like, out here, if you have a stick and a pocket knife or whatever, like, I'm sorry, but 99.9% of people are going to starve. are going to die. And I didn't know, like, even which plants I could eat. You know, right. like, you're thinking that you can scavenge or whatever. Like, well, if you're in the Badlands, what are you going to do? Like, right. Yeah. Get good at eating bugs, maybe.
0: Well, and we're just not equipped. We're not evolved it, in that but way. But that was
1: kind of the go back to mm-hmm. the raw state of, like, you know, kind of what are you or how do you do it or in touch with your...
0: The primal part of yeah. being human because at one point, you know, that Because, was, well,
1: you see, like, animals do it and cows do it and dogs mm-hmm. do it. And, you know, even we used to do that in, in kind of getting drifting real far. But no, like I when we were in Missoula right and we talked about yeah. the difference of the dogs we had growing up versus how mm-hmm. the dogs are treated over mm-hmm. there where they're just like people. The dogs mm-hmm. are people. And I'm like, Well dogs aren't people. I remember getting yelled at. I mean, not like really yelled yelled at, but when we were running and then yeah. we'd go run in that park. And I had my lab and we'd go run over there and it was really hot. And this lady was just scolding me for not having water for my dog to drink. You're
0: like, we what were, about me? We were running next
1: to a river, and I had no water. Like, he <laughs> ran into the river several times. <laughs>
0: he was better off than
1: you. I was on the trail yeah, just sweating and panting, right. and I'm not a runner, so. Oh, that was that. But that was completely fine. But it was mm-hmm. like, how dare you not carry water for your dog? And I'm like, what in the world? Yeah.
0: There's just <laughs> this kind of. The point where you kind of realize that we've evolved ourselves into being so incredibly, incredibly genius in some points. You know, we're talking about the science of, you know, the science that saved my life, the science that can detect cancer, the things that we can do for ourselves as a human race to keep us going and moving and evolving. And look at us, you know, we're pod, like even 10 years ago when we moved back to the ranch, our internet connection, was, wouldn't have allowed me to, didn't allow me to do what we were, what I'm doing now necessarily. Like that's just no, the way it, it was. No, it took, I,
1: like I don't know if you remember the sequence of things, but it took several years, like only in the last maybe five, six years, somewhere that yeah, could be off a little bit, enough. but where we could even have like Netflix. We knew that we knew Netflix existed. Right. We knew other people could <laughs> stream it. shows and they would talk about it. It was not a thing that we and we have a
0: pretty evolved like we had system here for rural but we we couldn't right stream
1: anything. Like you could Google stuff, but that was it.
0: Yeah, and and we like I said have a pretty sophisticated rural network actually for as remote as we are compared to other parts of the country.
1: Oh, it's crazy! And then with the you know when the boom came along, and then technology needed like the companies needed out here Mm -hmm. was a big drive of how we got a lot of stuff so like cell phone coverage was always pretty spotty well then when oil companies needed to contact their Mm -hmm. employees all of a sudden towers started going Mm -hmm. up all over the place so now there's very few if any places on the ranch where you don't have a working cell phone well we
0: were out on the big lake
1: like we joke about that all the time when we're chasing cows or rounding up or doing something and we'll call each other no, or text can. each other yeah. on a horseback. And then it, mm-hmm. everybody does it kind of just laughs about, I can't believe I'm doing this like this, this. happened, I think last year, but it's happened multiple times, but it happened for the first time we were out riding and doing something like that. And somebody called me, one of the guys or you did, or somebody called me and I had just got a smartwatch so oh. my phone always gets buried, like, in my pocket under my shaps, and somewhere that I can't ever get to it. But I could answer the phone call on my watch while I'm riding a horse chasing cows talking to my mm-hmm. wrist. It was like a James Bond movie or something. It was crazy. I just had that moment of, like, whoa, this is but insane. this is
0: what I'm saying. Like,
1: you're doing the most old-fashioned, yeah. old-timey, like, nitty-gritty what-this-country-was-built-on thing and, and also talking, talking. to your wrist. Yeah. <laughs> like...
0: But that's what I'm saying. The juxtaposition of that—that's such a like a great example that we can talk to each other on FaceTime and video call. And in our lifetime, we've seen it go from, the, you know, no internet whatsoever, calling. You know, oh, when we were dating, I had to call and talk to your dad to talk to you. I talked to him first. That was fun for me. Everyone had to talk to someone's parent before they got to talk. You know, call waiting was a I, big technology. There's a,
1: you know, as far as kids go, I wish that there were a way you could kind of go back because now the downside to it is there is no shutting it off. No. Kids have no relief. Like, they we could, are, go, we could device, go and have yeah. a bad day at school, have a bad yeah. whatever you're getting picked on or things are not going the way you want them to or whatever, but then you go home, and it's like you flip a switch. Now you're mm-hmm. in your home world. Yeah. Kids now can't do that, mm-hmm. and they wish that there was a way that they could. Or, you know, kid has to suck up the courage to call a girl's dad yeah. and ask if talk, you <laughs> know, he's really definitely really want
0: to call her. <laughs> you know, he or she
1: is not going to be doing that at 11 o'clock at night. They're going right. to be respectful about the way that they communicate, and we don't have that anymore. Right. I worry about that with our kids. There's, like, I'm not going to have that interface even yeah. whether you're for it, against it or strict or whatever, at least like our parents knew. Right. We're not even gonna know.
0: Yeah. I mean there's ways you can track it and that's definitely
1: You can work. and there's things there's things that you can do but it's better a better or worse, world. but by the time they get to teenagers, you know, I mean you can yeah. try really hard, but I know my parents tried hard to do yeah. whatever and a teenager can get around anything yeah. a parent thinks that well, they can you're do, navigating especially technology. This,
0: the technology forces us to navigate new worlds continuously constantly we're doing that and that makes the world seem so much smaller and the events that are happening in it seem so much heavier and so much in your face so much more I think for me especially you know the news of the world weighs so much more heavily on me because it's right there when I open up my device I see all of the bad things happening and And that's kind of where I was coming from in the column this week, too, it's like things, uh, oh, it's to be human is painful and it hurts right now and it's hard. What I'm trying we've been trying to say is we've come so far that we can talk to each other on our, you know, we can see each other, but if we on the phone, we're connected. But then if we get lost in the woods, we're we're so completely genius until we're lost in the woods or the power goes out or the internet goes out and then we've lost all ability to take care of ourselves as just well, human beings. Even,
1: even like when you took off on the road, you know, you were a teenager yeah, and then you had an atlas and a road map, and you had to know how to tell what way is north and how does this map work and orientate yourself where now it's just, and everybody does, it's just GPS and you have it on the thing and you punch the number into your phone and It tells you which way to go, and if it ever shuts off, then you're just completely lost, which is a thing that is great. Like, GPS and all that stuff is fantastic, but along the way, we should somehow retain that capability. Like, remember that we come from a place.
0: Yeah, I uh, think...
1: Like, our ancestors, you know, fought wolves with sticks Mm.
0: well and that's something i joke about all the time when i think about my ancestors and then you really get a feel for it when you stand up on that hill that i'm looking at right outside of our house where there's two big teepee rings on that hill and we used to stand up there and look before it got a little bit busier out here look at uh, the landscape around us and there was not another light in some of the horizons. There was not another place that we could see another human existed. And so you could imagine for a moment what it might have been like for the Native Americans on this landscape and how they were evolved to take care of themselves and this really harsh climate and this environment. They had the tools and the skills to survive and build. And then you bring these settlers into the situation Having to learn it, you know, from scratch, and one of those was my great grandparents who raised twelve kids out here. <laughs> brave is all hell, as like Edie says, you have to be terrified to be brave. But like they hadn't evolved in a in a, in a environment that way to know exactly well, how to, like to live. Very
1: it wasn't that, that people long People have got so. Soft and don't want to sound like some kind of a tough guy or something. But
2: well, it, Wade and I were just it talking ourselves. about it today
1: when we were we were up looking at the hay and we we're deciding if we should cut more, or not mm-hmm. cut more, and kind of you know keeping the baler coordinated with the cutter and just doing mm-hmm. life. And then you know it, it was so hot and I was just pumping fuel mm-hmm. into the tractor and it was like just drenched of sweat. And that's all I was doing is putting fuel, and just putting fuel in there. it. And I'm like, yeah. we are not what our we ancestors were. Like, <laughs> then you look right over the uh-huh. hill, even, you know, because we were talking about, oh, well, just have to get through this. And then you get back in right. the tractor and it's air conditioned right. and you have the radio yeah. and it's so comfortable. And you don't even realize that it's that hot until you get back outside again. And you're like, you're oh are so protected gosh. from... And right over the hill is the old swather that like Grandpa Pete mm-hmm. used to use. And that was a nice piece of technology Mm -hmm. at the time, but it has no cab. It had nothing. It it has a a, an umbrella, basically a tarp on top of it that was a little bit of shade. Mm -hmm. And that's what Wade said. It was yeah, it was just a just a guy in a long sleeve shirt and a cowboy hat. Mm -hmm. And that's what you just.
0: And prior to that, and prior to that, and then it
1: was nothing. And then you saw that old, you know, Model B or whatever that tractor was. That one long tractor that they Mm -hmm. brought to the art in the park. Park. Mm -hmm. And at that time, you know, probably had a like a two shovel plow.
0: Yeah. You said that was but someone's was like best technology at, at some, some point. point
1: in time. People got that and they were like, this is the absolute, mm-hmm. like we are taking over Living the world it. now, yep. you know, because it switched it from a horse. Mm-hmm. Basically you trade it out to a horse.
0: But I think that history is something to humble us a little bit. I think about it in raising these girls out here because going back to just even being a teenager, kind of stripping it down and thinking that way um, the it was it's back then it's isolating it was isolating to be a kid right and isolating to be a mom to be out this far from you know your community is small and people are a mile up the hill it's not the same as living in a neighborhood in town and so there's something about you know being raised out on on a ranch not so connected, feeling kind of isolated, feeling probably at that time of my little experiment, I was not driving, you know, so you felt like alone maybe, and it's just a different growing up experience. And then being a mom out here before my little sister came, you know, to live over the hill, raising Edie, not being able to just stick her in a stroller and go for a walk to the coffee shop and meet up with other moms, like that wasn't my life. My life was in this house, you know, the first two or three months of trying to figure out how to do this as a a new mom. So I think about my grandma Gudrun, how that must've felt to be 17, 16 years old and starting to raise a family and basically just put a shovel in the dirt and build a house out of nothing, (laughs) out of, basically dirt, (laughs) literally, and raised these kids up and they built churches and they built community and they helped each other have babies and um, they did it from not having any prior experience on this landscape or in this weather, like ancestors passing on from generation to generation like the Native Americans had. Anyway, I mean, we're getting pretty philosophical, but it's not like it has, it's not been that long.
1: No, well, to bring it back, kind of, I was thinking about how to round it around a little bit, but back to the stuff kind of thing, and we're talking about the barn, and we've yeah. really have been him and hon, and it's like this, you know, piece of history, and but at the time, it was just, yeah. like, the barn wasn't built here, it was moved on here, right. so they purchased it and moved it on here. Well, they
0: didn't purchase it, They so my uncles, well, maybe they did, or maybe they didn't, but I think they they might have just, someone was had moved off of a place and were able yeah. to, take. you know, it was I guess like, I, I, can't I guess remember, you could say purchase. And they, you just, I'm just trying to say, like, it wasn't like a brand new barn it, it was that they moved on. It, it was, was like someone else's old piece of structure.
1: Yeah, it was not sentimental. It was a right. structure that they needed. Yeah. And it, it was the best thing that they could get at mm-hmm. the time, which if they were around now yes. they would still want the best thing you can yes. get at the time because it was functional as necessary they would look at these old buildings that are you know falling down and tumbling then they wouldn't be like oh we have to save that because no. it's old they'd be like no you need a barn because you need a barn, barn get yeah. the best barn that you can you know do the best that you can kind of a thing well
0: I remember my aunt Carrie saying that to me when we were feeling bad about the house. Mm you know, and what happened to it, or what if we should save it or not, and maybe it was even before the fire, and I was thinking about my grandma Edie, and, you know, having lived in that house with her when I was a kid, because I lived with her and dad before my parents, before my mom and sisters came, and, you know, I had some more different kind of memories in there, anyway, feeling like that was so sentimental to me, and then Carrie saying about her mother, like, grandma would have Love to have an addition on this place. If she would have had an opportunity, she would have, you know, bumped this wall out or took this house down and built a new house. Yeah. This isn't sentimental to her necessarily the same way that it would be sentimental to you. If she were still alive, she would tell you, build a new house if you can.
2: <laughs>
1: you yeah, know? Like, you know, she would have had the opportunities if she was still, because, you know, it's a very real scenario in which she could be still here. Yes. Because yeah. she was so young when she was gone that, mm-hmm. you know, she would have had the luxury of of the Maybe. economy that's mm-hmm. coming, and I don't think that she would have kept that house. This, as,
0: no. As much
1: as they had done, like, your grandpa in the 70s had solar power mm-hmm. on the house. Like, they were, yeah. they weren't wealthy. They didn't have any kind of money or mm-hmm. means to speak of, but they were up on, like practical useful mm-hmm. and technology and like they just did the best of what they could yes, with everything that they had they didn't think like oh I got to keep this old tractor because that's the right. old tractor that my dad had or right. you know
0: well they whatever here, that to that point we have more of a luxury of being sentimental than they did right yeah,
1: we we do because of our means yeah. yeah
0: or just the way that yeah the world's progressed and the my, way my
1: dad's always famous for saying that um People, well, he's not famous, but <laughs> says it all the time amongst us.
0: What do you mean he's not famous? He's that famous in some circles.
1: <laughs> his own, but Sorry. no, like people like the distressed look of things, oh, and they like yeah. older furniture and reclaimed mm-hmm. stuff. And Dad's like, I grew up poor. Right. That's all I ever had. Only thing I want now is it's like nice things. stuff. So yeah. he's a yeah. carpenter and a builder, and he just builds things that are like immaculate. Totally and immaculate. They look, you know brand new and like that's that's what he holds dear is like Mm -hmm. the things because they had all the old refurbished and yeah they didn't have a choice busted down and like Mm -hmm. he has no sentimental value for any of that stuff
0: yeah right but he also we've talked about this also
1: doesn't throw anything away ever. but it's not because he's not because he thinks it's so great it's because it might be useful sometime mm -hmm. somewhere it Rarely is, but also a lot of times it is so.
0: Right. <laughs> no, a I lot of know. times it is. Yeah, it is um I think living on, you know, going back to uh, this place which is just the central the central heartbeat of this all the work that I do really in the in the writing and where we're raising our family and what we do every day. But being on a piece of land like this that is un pretty underdeveloped, pretty you know, you do have a chance, and I say this a lot in my shows, like, and I wrote this line when, the, when we first moved back here, like, it's so strange to be on your childhood home that was your dad's childhood place, that was your dad's dad's childhood place, that raised these generations before you and prior to that was, belonged to, you know, other people, other people entirely. Um, that you have these memories that are yours and then you have memories that aren't yours that you keep and you hold and you cherish and try to figure out what to do with. And we're so lucky that we are a fourth generation raising fifth generation and are having the support that we have to be on this place and, and be able to hold it for the next generations to come. But I think I even as a teenager knew how lucky I was to be out among this kind of wild piece of dirt, um, but then also, a, you know, when you're growing up like that, you wonder what who you are without this place. And I've always, you know, thought that it, <laughs> and wondered that. It is it is interesting it the
1: way you say that. It's like um, you know your ancestors paid for your sentimentality. Like yeah, they bought
0: mm-hmm.
1: your ability to be sentimental. By bought, I mean
0: they suffered. They built
1: and, it. They mm-hmm. worked it. They mm-hmm. everything that they did allows you to be sentimental. If we struggled like they struggled, we wouldn't we wouldn't have that sentimentality.
0: No, and it was it's a different time. I mean that was a hundred years ago. Great Grandma Gudrun... Well, yeah, nineteen fourteen. This place was settled. So it and prior to that, you know, it was a completely different. Landscape and and people here, and so you can't forget that either. That wasn't that long ago. We were talking about the lake, and the Lake Sakakawea was a river, and the river that flooded all of this land and what's underneath it, and that wasn't that long ago. You know, my grandma and grandpa met at Sanish Rodeo, which is now under a lake.
1: Since underwater, yeah. You
0: know, and so there's so much of this landscape that has changed, or it just moves faster, I feel like. Maybe maybe I feel like this because I'm a mom now. I don't know. But it seems like the world is moving so much faster than it even did when we were kids. I don't know. Well, Maybe in, not.
1: In some ways, it definitely is. In some ways, it's not. I mean, there's know? some
0: like, ways that it just never will. Like, human beings are going to be and behave as human beings because... We're wonderful and awful and all of the things, no matter what generation and decade and century we live in, we're still going to make all those human mistakes, no matter if we have great internet service or hum, we don't, hum, Humans know. are Humans are messy,
1: <laughs> yeah. but their technology is just jumping so fast, so crazy.
0: Like we're doing it. It's like our minds. I was just and talking our- to my
1: mom who was talking about some health stuff or whatever and, you know she's getting older and wishing she was like her body wasn't breaking just like Mm -hmm. I'm wishing my body wasn't Mm -hmm. breaking and everybody does and she's like wow by the time you're my age you'll probably just be able to get a new one that's young and skinny and works and whatever (laughs) and I'm like I'm like you know you're probably not wrong no maybe not maybe not mine
0: but maybe our kids
1: but maybe our kids but I also think you know she's 30 years older I mean 30 Mm -hmm. years ago there wasn't internet there wasn't computers to speak of I mean there was internet But there wasn't not to the populace, you know, and now it's a place to go look at cute cat videos and, you know, whatever.
0: Right. I mean, but it's opened up a whole new set of philosophical issues for us as humans, how we communicate with each other, what community means, how we make decisions, how we react to it emotionally. We know, I sometimes say, we know too much about everything at once and it's heavy And we need to like protect ourselves a little bit from that because if you're an empath like me, every piece of news that comes, you just feel it. And it's, I didn't, you didn't always know that. It's kind of
1: proof (laughs) in the pudding that there's all of the information in the world, but our wisdom is not growing. Like you have access to every written piece of information in the entirety of human history. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're getting wiser. Yeah, I mean, you know, like with that information people would say, you know, I bet you know like Socrates or whoever 1000 mm-hmm. years ago would say, oh, if people could just be educated or if right. people could just be and there's some truth to that for sure, but now it's like everybody, not everybody, everybody in a first world country, I mm-hmm. guess, has access to this limitless information and we're not using it wisely. Right. You know, we're not using it We're using
0: it sometimes against each other.
1: Well, it's and it's just crazy. I mean, we're getting real down to the depths of deep here, but
0: No, but I think that's you know, that's what I was feeling when I dug this column out and, and re kind of resurrected that. That feeling of like, if what is important, what do you take out on a fire? What do you bring with you? What is it that makes us tick? What's the most important thing that we should be doing as humans as because we are caretakers of this place and that's kind of what I was ruminating on and what the column is on about like throwing it all out there if you could just take it and strip it down who are you at your core and maybe what would you be in the next (laughs) in the next life (laughs) would it be easier to be a bird and just have wings and not deal with the humanness of it all you know I've
1: always said Hmm. I'm coming back as your aunt's dog (laughs) Or her horse. The best life oh, in the Aunt world. Aunt Judy. Aunt yeah. Judy's.
0: I want to be part. the I'll come back as <laughs> I'm
1: coming back as either pard or tough. Probably pard because tough occasionally has to work to hard. barrels. Pard has the greatest life of all uh, things.
0: Yeah, I think you are right there.
1: <laughs> That's my goal.
0: Yeah, I think you're right there. But I think, you know, it's worth discussing. I feel like other people feel this way but it's hard to articulate it's hard to articulate the heaviness of it and when you're having you know a hard time even just today for me was i was exhausted and the idea of all this laundry in our house and like i don't want to be attached to this laundry right i want to be attached to the well that's why i have a messy house all the time because i prioritize experiences and doing things always over housework and I feel guilty about that sometimes because there's a narrative that you need to have this better homes and gardens existence as a mother and a wife and and for me like does but does that really mean that I'm a good mom that my house is clean or
1: not in my book we had some rock-on fajitas today that <laughs> I
0: could, but like I could care less Will if my the house kids is spotless? remember and obviously I want to teach them to like make their beds which I'm Failing at miserably, I've never my understood mom, the purpose of that. I know you disagree, or but just like clean up after themselves and be like good that human beings. That would right? be helpful. So I want to teach them those things. I'm not saying that we're all like, you throw it all out there, but what makes you? What makes a life? It's not. Is it a tidy, perfect well, existence? Well, okay. Here, here's or is it an a, example.
1: We were driving down the road the other day, and the girls and I and Rosie said, "Dad, pull over." I'm like, why? She's like, there's some garbage oh. out there. We got to go get it. And I was like, oh, huh? okay. You that's did you? That's a good idea. Yeah?
0: Well, she also made you pull the boat over, and you did it, to get a can that was floating yeah, in so the Yeah,
1: so we're teaching them to keep the earth clean. Yeah. It doesn't matter if the inside of your house is homes
0: and gardens Well, I think that's something homes and to gardens be worthy. said. I mean,
1: some people do, and yeah. more power to them. I love going to their houses. It's just <laughs> never going to be my house. Maybe
0: not. But just trying to navigate that and that, um, that idea of what it does mean to be, we're here for a short amount of time and what are we supposed to be doing? You know? And I fully, I wrote a, part of that column and sp- part of those words before I had kids. Right. And it was just like that idea or that memory that I wrote about throwing those, all of our things on the ground and looking at them all it's, it's a total, I would have felt, com- I feel completely different now, 10 years later, being a mother, like, it's opened up a different perspective entirely. But, you know, the whole, like, why are we here? What are we doing with all of If you this? can,
1: yeah, if you can stretch it out a little bit, kind of on a timeline, you know, if we're lucky, if we're real real good, real lucky, successful, happy, you got 100 years on this planet. Mm-hmm. This planet is four and a half billion years old. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no throwing that in. So at best, we're a... Not even a blip on no. the radar, so all of those things become
0: well a lot and I less. think that's why I walked out into that into the trees that day, and I think that's why this place has always been so healing for me because you think your problems are so big.
1: It's, and, it's pretty powerful. Like I remember yeah. talking to I can't remember if it was Rose or who it was we were talking to about the tree we got married under. Mm,
0: one of my aunt, old oh, great aunts. That
1: was yeah, was talking to us, and it's this huge oak tree that's kind of standalone in the middle of the pasture. And she said she remembers that tree, and she was in her eighties
2: mm-hmm. when,
1: when she said that. She remembers that tree
2: it was Vernus, I think from
1: when she was a kid, and it was a big oak tree. Mm-hmm. When she was a little kid. Yeah. So even just in that one spot, that's a couple hundred years then. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that a tree has been. Because
1: those big oaks, they don't grow grow fast. fast. Yeah. Yeah. So if it was a big tree 80 years ago.
0: Yeah. Well. It it
1: stretches out that sense of time.
0: I don't know. And then also, even talking about this thunderstorm that we were going to have. Now we're not. But how much, and the storm that we had, um. The winter storm we had in April. How humbling it is to be on a place that just you're basically in its ever loving grip, in its hands, in its whim, right? And you don't have anything to say about it except for you, you need to, blow cool. with go with the punches and in it and, and adapt.
1: Everywhere is like that. Like yeah. you know, we talk to the people of canvas a canvas of Kansas after you know, tornado alley comes through Mm -hmm. and that will humble you. There's nothing Mm -hmm. humble you faster than a tornado because it's nothing. And then, then there is nothing, you know, like there's clear skies and everything's fine. And then all of a sudden there's no more house or there's no more town or there's no more anything or the people of new Orleans who Mm -hmm. are on, you know, hurricane central and Mm -hmm. it's just we can think we have all this stuff, and we're so great, and we're so But advanced. we still haven't
0: figured out how to change but, the path of a storm. But
1: the weather will mm-hmm. humble you And then that's fast. why it's
0: like you were looking at these wars happening in other parts of the world, and it's like, why destroy yourselves? There's so many forces that can destroy us. Why are you destroying each other? What is happening here? But that's human nature, and that, unfortunately, has been that way since the beginning of humans. And I think that's kind of what I was trying to say, like, let's just get down to the bare bones of what we're supposed to be doing here, which is taking care of each other and taking care of this place and that we complicate it in so many ways. And sometimes I just want to shake it all off and not be complicated. (laughs) And I don't know where you find how you can find that little piece. Some people meditate. um,
1: I'm going to try the naked in the woods. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe okay. not this week because I'll probably get a nasty sunburn. But
0: well, I saw you with your shirt off, and so did what? Did you say NASA? So did
1: NASA. <laughs> they're, they're still trying to figure out what that glowing grip on Lake on Lake to- Sakakawea was.
0: <laughs> it was just Chad. He, it looks like you're wearing a white t-shirt, even though you're not wearing a white t-shirt, because you have like the farmer tan of like the, a glow-in-the-dark oh, white.
1: <laughs> well, there's not a whole lot of days where you would even want to take your shirt off here. But then the ones that you do, you kind of want to take, like, your skin off. You want to take everything off. Oh, I know.
0: What, I know. What. Well, and you had your, you had been riding, chasing bulls, and that was a rough little run on all of you. You had scratches and thorns, scratches on your belly, your white little well, soft belly. Well, that was kind belly. of our,
1: <laughs> our game plan when we started chase the bulls because we were going to turn the bulls out with the cows, and we had to trail them a little ways to get to the cows. And, you know, you kind of get together and formulate somewhat of a plan of what you're going to do. And then Wade just said, well,
0: we're (laughs) we're
1: just going to follow them wherever they go. Yeah, and
0: that's all you can do And that's what we did.
1: And they fought and they ran and they go through the trees and they... It was wild. Then you run and then you go through the trees and then the dogs fight and then, you know, it's...
0: Well... But...
1: Yeah. It was, we did a whole day's work before nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah.
0: Well, and that's the thing where... You dad knows with working cattle, you don't fight against them, you just let them them tell you how they're gonna act, and that's that is the right, Mm -hmm. in my experience, method. Because once you start fighting them, there's a lot
1: of wisdom that gets tossed around when you go out with the Veter boys.
0: (laughs) It's true, it's true. We'll have to have one of them on here. One night, um, but I don't know if they can stay up this late. <laughs> well, I might have to
1: do an afternoon. <laughs> afternoon your, coffee. Your dad, your dad didn't make it thirty feet from the trailer, and then he's like, "Oh, I forgot to put my chaps on. This is not going to be good."
0: And it wasn't. And I remember because you another twenty yards
1: after that, then he had a thorn in his leg.
0: I remember as a kid, him coming in and pulling just like quarter half an inch thorns out of his legs like they would fester and then he'd just pull and i was like is that hitting your bone i couldn't believe it
1: i i told him that we we're going because wade had said something about him not having it and i i just said well i thought that was a temperature related decision like that's too, oh, hot. too hot and i was like when i thought that was the plan i thought i don't care how hot it is i would wear just shaps before i would not <laughs> wear shaps.
0: just shaps." You're going to get chapped if you just a Well, I
1: didn't, I didn't care how hot it was. Like, that was not a thing that I was going to not have on.
0: Well, I, when you're working with bulls and all those I, I, And I have
1: done it before also, too. You forget to put them on and you make it from the trailer, and you can't go back. And like, right, oh, just a wait. second, guys. I'm going to, I got to give change. You, know, you, you kind of live with the decisions that you made or didn't make.
0: Yeah, so he had some thorny thorns. Okay, what else do we have? What else is going on?
1: I don't know. I think we got to the ends of the earth on that one. I think
0: we really philosophized our way into the (laughs) tomorrow. all of my
1: wisdom. (laughs) You get me more talkative when you scare the ever-living crap out of me. Because you were
0: in the middle of a dream.
1: No, it's like in that spot where you're like sleeping, but you're not sleeping, Mm -hmm. but you're sleeping. And then there's a person one inch (laughs) from your face.
0: It wasn't that close, but I did scare you.
1: Luckily, Sorry, I didn't man. jump Rosie out of the bed.
0: Well, she was unfazed. Our girls are so on the worst schedule ever. So... Um, Summer I'm schedule. Going to bed at 11 at night. And, yeah, but... Well...
1: It's hard to convince them to go to bed when it's still daylight. I
0: know. It really is. And it's the best part of the night always is bedtime. So we're not good disciplinarians when it comes to that either. So, But... All right, well, thank you for listening and following along. We're getting some really nice feedback on this even last week when we were all over the place. I feel like <laughs> every time story. I come on here
1: with you, it, it starts away and then it <laughs> just goes.
0: It is what it is, but that's life. And, um, yeah, I wanted to be. I always strive to be as real as I can, and some, some days you're, it's harder to... It's Some days you just feel like, yeah, you want to go just stand out in the rain and wonder why. <laughs> What we're all doing here, and that was what I was thinking of this week. In um, the chaos of this, you know, this the work that we make for ourselves and the life that we build, and we can complicate it all. But there are ways that we can sit back in it. So yeah, doing something that just brings you joy—that's what I think we all should do this week in the dog days of summer. Find something. Find I'm gonna time. have to Google that.
1: That really is.
0: I think it just means like the hot. Dro- like droopy kind of days where the dog sits on the front porch or lays on the front porch. It's well, not a Can't. phrase
1: I use. I'm going to have to bust it out now that I know what it
0: means. I'll, you might learn something. I don't from fully
1: me. trust you though. I'm going to look it up.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't fully trust me either. Honestly, I don't fully trust most of the things that come out of my mouth, but here we are. Here we are. Thanks for listening. Bye. love you. Bye.
1: Bye. I love you. Bye.
0: Ten Julys ago, my husband and I stood on the Scoria Road on the homestead place and watched as my dad's childhood home started going up in flames. We'd been living there in what we called Grandma's house the first two years as we worked on building our own home on the ranch, until one sweltering summer night we arrived home from a trip to the lake, turned on the lights, and noticed smoke coming from the basement and traveling inside the walls. An electrical fire started by a lightning strike while we were gone. A few months later, when we were living in my parents' house and all our earthly possessions were scattered across their lawn, airing the smoke out while we reorganized for my chaotic scramble to save them, I remember thinking this. When the walls of our home were smoking from the inside out into the night, we did not grab onto one another. No, we placed our arms around computer screens and television sets, appliances and guitars, We threw our possessions on the earth to be saved and to save us from the need we might feel to replace them. What it would cost us to purchase another would mean time and money—the things that take up the biggest part of us some days. And there it all was, out in the great wide open of the sky—stacks of important papers and photographs, hats and shoes, books I've never read, and albums I haven't listened to in years. We pulled these things from the flame so that it could lay here, waiting for us to decide what to do now. And suddenly, I had this overwhelming feeling that I didn't want any of it. I didn't want a choice between red boots or black. I didn't want the papers reminding me what it costs to live. I didn't want the movies suggesting I should stay in and watch a world that doesn't exist for us. I didn't want the memories waiting in boxes for me to recall what we were when we were 16 and sun-kissed and the world scared us a little. Because things like this, unnerving, uncontrollable things, they will happen and they will happen to us. I didn't want it weighing on me, not that day, and sometimes not these days, not 10 years later. I heard once somewhere on the car radio a man who said, we do not have a soul, we have a body. I pause to think of this today when my clothes feel heavy against the wet, sticky heat of the summer and the body that houses my soul is feeling tired at the thought of moving through the tasks we've laid out for the day, cleaning up after ourselves, moving our stuff from room to room, from yard to house, from floor to laundry, from table to sink, and I think about where my soul might live next perhaps in the body of a yellow bird that returns to the feeder outside of this office window, concerned with nothing but her next bite, spreading her wings and cooling herself in the puddles left from an early morning rain, a bird attached to nothing but the sky, or maybe a long living oak with a mission to reach my branches out to the sun in the summer, to release them in the autumn chill and sleep until the spring sun asks me gently to bloom again. I would have roots that would keep me grounded and grass and branches from the aspen or the birch to keep me company, to lean on, to protect me from the wind. Maybe a wildflower, a thistle, or a cricket screeching my song into the night. I could be all of those things, but today I don't want to be attached to anything. I felt like this as a teenager before I understood why I was so anxious and why I suddenly had so many emotions pulling at my skin. I remember walking out into the rain on a cool late summer evening just to be out there, away from the four walls of a house, away from the telephone and things that needed to be thought through. I felt heavy that day and I wanted to be a blade of grass, grounded and soaked in the rain. I walked further into the protection of the oaks and stepped off of my path, then slowly out of my shoes and finally out of all of my clothing. I stood there in the lush green of the weeds and the wild fruit bushes, under a canopy of leaves dripping the rain down through their branches and onto my bare skin. I was comfortable like this for only moments before I glanced down at my pale skin and remembered to be self-conscious. But for a moment I was there, holding my breath, and I was the rain and the clouds and the dirt. I was the grass and the still, damp air. And I'm not wishing for the reminders of a good life to disappear. Today I'm just asking not to be held accountable for my possessions or a body that doesn't do much to hide the relentless emotions of this soul, the one that crinkles up my nose when it cries, bites the scar on my lip in worry, and screams air out of my lungs in frustration. Today I am just taking a moment to remember that someday my soul may have wings.
2: Now, as a young girl, I dreamed of the water engulfing these Midwestern plains. I'd be no longer landlocked, no longer grounded, no longer tied to this place. I'd climb to the hilltop and turn my face up to catch the late evening breeze. And the birds, they would call me to stretch my body out across their wings and they'd sing. Don't look back, dear, but don't turn away. I traded him for a fast car and I put my heart where it was meant But I think that horse had a piece of my soul Left beneath his dark skin and his would From home Keeps calling me home.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's stories from the ranch. If you want more content, you can follow me on Instagram at Jesse Veter or Facebook at Veder Ranch. If you want more information about my music, you want to download it or hear more, you can find that at jessevedermusic.com or anywhere where you listen to music. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.